Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let us pray. Father, I praise you um, every Sunday morning when I walk in here into this sanctuary before anybody walks in the doors and I get on my knees. Father, and the first thing I do is I ask for your presence. I invite you in this room and it's obvious today. Thank you so much for that. Um, that confirmation that we know you're here. Uh, I felt you since the moment walked in the doors. And uh, Father, I just thank you for all the victories that come through this church. Uh, my sister Melody, Father, I'm so proud of her. God, thank you for Thank you for just allowing us to be a part of that. A major victory for this church, and I know it's a major personal victory for her. Uh, Father, but most importantly, we know it's a major victory for your kingdom, and I know that's why she did it. And again, thank you for letting us be a part of it. Uh, Father, today you've given me a message, and it's not an easy one. And I'm asking, Father, that you give me some boldness today. Father, in this moment, I need you to anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Father, I need you to take all distractions, lack of courage, a hardened heart. Father, that you take that away from me and you replace it with your boldness, your wisdom. Father, of course, most importantly, your love. I ask these things in your name. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. All right. Today we're going to continue this sermon series on the book of Revelation, but before we get started, I want to remind everyone again in this room and online, we are not studying this book because of fear. We're not studying this book to get enamored into the end times. We are studying this book to simply gain knowledge on the book of Revelation. Amen? Excellent. Uh, so many times, again, we, we see churches that do this, and they get dug in a lot. And to be honest with you, I'm not going to lie to you all, that's what happened to me this week preparing this sermon. I started digging and digging and digging on some things that really weren't that important. And all of a sudden, he reminded me, he's like, hey, you tell your church that every Sunday. You know, what's your problem? So I got back on track, just to give you all a heads up. But that's why we read the Great Commission every single Sunday now with, with going into this series before we even start the sermon to make sure we understand what our number one job is again, and that is to create disciples and to love people deeply. We're not going to lose focus of that, correct? Amen. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> Uh, just real quick, I want to remind everybody before I start preaching, we all interpret Revelation uh, differently, okay? Everybody understand that? Excellent, okay. Uh, in the first three weeks of this series, we have covered chapters 1 through 9. We've covered a lot. Uh, today, time permitting, I'm going to cover even more. Chapter 10 through 13. Uh, guys, y'all do me a favor. If you got your Bibles, get them open. Go to chapter 10. Just follow along with me. Start taking some notes. Very important that y'all do that. I should have said this from day one. Sometimes I just get in this thought of like I assume. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know what assuming does? Don't say it out loud. We're in the church. But, uh, and one other thing, real quick before I get started. And, and, and my associate, 
Kelsey reminded me of this the other day. We were talking. We were talking about this series and what was going on. And she brought something up. She said, you know, Micah, because you're covering so much, it is, it's a little hard to keep up. Uh, and she said, you know, I go back and I'll watch the sermon and, and I get so much out of that. So, guys, real quick, I need you to understand that because I've got to move fairly quickly. If you don't grasp it today, go back. It's, it'll be on YouTube on Monday at like 2 o'clock. Go back and watch it this week so you can kind of catch up if you need to, okay? Because we've got a lot to cover because we've, we've got to get through this because he's got some other things he's really on me about preaching right now. So let's get through this. Okay, so before we dive into chapter 10, I want to show you guys a couple timelines to help give you a visual review uh, of where we are in the book of Revelation. In chapters 6 through 7, we learned about the seven seals of the scroll that were opened by the Lamb, which is Jesus. If you put that up, there's the seven-sealed scroll, okay? And uh, now I want to pull up, this is a seven-seal scroll timeline. If you could pull that up for me, Nick, please. Okay, so this is what we covered at first. Okay, these are your seven seals on the bottom. You've got the white horse, the red horse, the black horse, the green horse, if y'all remember that. It was kind of freaky. Okay, you got that. And then you got the martyrs, and then you got the cosmic change. That was really freaky. And then it goes into the 144,000, and then it's the silence, and then that's the seventh. That, that's when it kicks into the trumpets. Okay, so you got the seven seals that were on the scroll. Once those are broken, on the seventh one, that's when we go into the trumpets. If you could pull that one up for me, Nick, the next timeline. Here's your seven trumpets. Okay, these are the things. You can't really read that. I apologize. It's a little blurry. But uh, you go through all this worldly change, all the issues that happened in our world, uh, and it, it really is going to cause a lot of problems there. And then you go into the demons, the locust demons. Y'all remember the picture of that? It was real freaky. Yeah, nasty looking things. And then you jump in to the Euphrates River where the angels were, and then that's when these, these 200 million angels show up, and they take out one-third of the people on the earth. And then you get into the little book, which is where we're fixing to go right now. We're fixing to walk into, we're in the sixth trumpet still, we're fixing to get into the seventh trumpet, and then from there we will move forward. But we're going to pick up today in chapter 10. So, Revelation chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, surrounded by a cloud with a rainbow over his head. His face shone like the sun, and his feet were like pillars of fire. And in his hand was a small scroll that had been opened. He stood with his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. We have no idea who this angel is, and it doesn't matter. No idea. It doesn't matter. In verse 2, I do want to point out one thing from this, and that is that the angel has one foot on land, one foot on water. Guys, that just simply symbolizes God's power over the entire earth, okay? Land and water. Doesn't matter what it is. That's, that's a very simple symbol. I just wanted to point that out to you. Let's go to verses 3 and 4. And he gave a great shout like the roar of a lion. That's that angel. And when he shouted, the seven thunders answered. When the seven thunders spoke... I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, keep secret what the seven thunders said and do not write it down. Okay, so you've got these seven thunders, they're shouting, and then all of a sudden, John's about to write this down, and they say, no, don't write that down, John. You don't need to write that down. This needs to stay secret. Who are these seven thunders? Not only do we not know that, we have no idea what they said because, again, John was told to keep silent. Guys, we go through this in life. 
there are times that the Holy Spirit will tell you something, okay? I want y'all think about this. You're in prayer, the Holy Spirit gives you something. And immediately you're like, man, I got to go tell everybody. Hit the brakes, pray about it. God, is this something I need to reveal to somebody? Or is this something you gave just to me as you did John in Revelation? Always make sure you do that, guys. It's very important that you get that confirmation of, is this just for me or is it for others? Because if it's just for you and you go out and you spew that out, once you think about it, if I came to you and gave you a secret and you wouldn't spew it out, am I going to give you another secret? Just think about it. Some scholars have spent a lifetime digging and studying, trying to figure out what was said by these seven thunders in chapter 10. Guys, I need you to understand something right now. In the Bible, God has revealed all that we need to know right now. These other things do not matter. I promise y'all, if he wanted us to know what these seven thunders said, he'd have put it in the Bible. Okay? Okay. Important that we grasp that. After this, the angel announced that the seventh trumpet was about to blast. John was uh, told to eat the small scroll in the angel's hand, which represents God's judgment. When John ate the scroll, it was sweet as honey in his mouth, but turned sour in his stomach. This symbolizes God's word, guys. You know, it's as sweet, it's very sweet to us. It tastes good to us because we're Christians, but it teaches, and the reason why that is, I mean, it teaches us and it encourages us, but it makes us a little sick at our stomach if we know that word good enough because we know the judgment that's going to come on unbelievers. It's like last week, for those of y'all that were here, I got real emotional at the end because I think about it a lot. I think about some of these people that I love that I know are struggling with salvation and I know the judgment that's coming to them. So I can really relate to this. Can y'all relate to this? Like that, that's what we're talking about here with this small scroll. Okay. I want to move on to chapter 11. That's really all we needed to talk about in 10. In verses 1 through 3, John was told about a temple that would give power to two witnesses that would be sent to prophesy during the, the tribulation. Real quick, I want to explain the tribulation to you guys. You know, it's funny. I've been sitting here preaching and I've been talking about tribulation, and somebody texted me last week and said, Mike, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know what the tribulation is. It's my fault. I hadn't explained it very well. But that's a seven-year period, guys, of God's wrath and his judgment. I did. I got a map I want to pull up that will kind of give you all an idea. If you could pull that up for me, Nick. I know this is a lot. I'm going to break it down real quick. And everybody looks at this different, by the way. This was a map that I found, uh, or excuse me, a map. Wow. A timeline that I found. Uh, that, that, that whoever this was believes in the, in the rapture before the tribulation. It's what I believe. Again, some people believe mid-tribulation. Some people believe uh, post-tribulation. But my belief is, is, is this, and that's, that's why this is the one that I picked. But you've got seven years of judgments. You have the seals, which we've gone through. You have the trumpets, which we're fixing to get to the seventh one. Okay? And then after that, you have the bowls, which is a lot of God's wrath that's going to be poured on the earth. But as you can see, it's seven years. You've got the first half and you've got the second half of the tribulation. Okay, So this will kind of break it down for you guys what the tribulation actually is. So for those of y'all, I apologize. I haven't put this up beforehand. I should have already done that. But this will help you guys out a little bit. All right, I want to go back to these two witnesses uh, that will be prophesying in the second half of the tribulation. Look at Revelation 11 
verses 4 through 6. These two prophets are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of all the earth. If anyone tries to harm them, fire flashes from their mouths and consumes their enemies. This is how anyone who tries to harm them must die. They have power to shut the sky so that no rain will fall for as long as they prophesy. And they have the power to turn the rivers and oceans into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they wish. These dudes are powerful. These dudes are stout. Many scholars want to know who these two witnesses are. Some say they are Peter and Paul. Some say James and John. Some say Enoch and Elijah. Uh, Enoch and Elijah are the only two that actually didn't die a physical death that were taken to heaven. It's a big reason why they believe that. Uh, and then a lot of scholars believe that this is Moses and Elisha. And the reason why that is, guys, they've already made an appearance in the gospel in Luke during Jesus' transfiguration. But then also they have performed a lot of these miracles already as well. Something similar to this uh, in the Old Testament. But again, we don't know who they are. And again, it doesn't matter. I mean, guys, that's the truth of it. Again, we get so, I can't tell you how many times I've done studies and sat down with people over these two witnesses. And they make it such a big deal. And I don't understand why. Because again, if God wanted it to be put in there, for all we know, it'd be Mikey and Bojo. Probably not, but it might be. I hope it is. You know, I hope it's both of y'all. I really do. I really do. Because, man, I can get away with anything if you two guys are those two witnesses, right? Would y'all give me a pass if I mess up or something? Yeah? Bojo ain't saying, he's over here shaking his head no. That's why you're my favorite, Mikey. But again, guys, we don't know. It doesn't matter. So in verses 7 through 14, the two witnesses end up being killed by the beast uh, that comes from the bottomless pit, and their bodies will be left in the streets for all to see. And uh, all the people will celebrate the beast for killing them. Isn't it kind of weird? He got these two cool prophets, and then all of a sudden they're dead. Yeah, y'all hoping it ain't y'all now, ain't you? Yeah, you're dead. But you're in the street for three and a half days, and then God raises the two witnesses from the dead in front of everybody so they can see his power. At that exact time, an earthquake will strike that city and kill 7,000 people. But here's the cool part. Finally, at that time, everyone else will worship God because they'll see it right there in front of them. Everyone else in the city will see it. So a tenth of the city, is, if, if I remember my scripture right, because I don't have it right here in front of me, but a tenth of the city will die at 7,000 people. Okay, so you had 70,000. So the other 63,000 people will be converted. Y'all follow me? This sets the scene for the seventh and final trumpet blast. We're going to look at Revelation eleven fifteen. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and uh, there were loud voices shouting in heaven. The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ, and of, of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. We're going to move along to chapter 12. Chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. This gets really freaky. Then I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. Now keep in mind, this is John. Guys, this is a vision that he's given. Okay, it's a vision. Just keep that in mind. It's a vision. 
She was pregnant, and she cried out because of her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. Then I witnessed, she must not have got epidural, is all I got to say. You know what I mean? <laughs> then I witnessed in heaven, I thought that was a good joke. Nobody laughed. Like, I seriously thought that would be a good joke. Nah, I guess. Hush. So, so then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns with seven crowns on his head. Okay. I'm going to show you all a picture of this vision. This is the best one I could find. You can pull that up for me, Nick. There she is. She's pregnant. She's pregnant. And that, and that dragon, he really close, like really close. But that's, that's, this is the vision that John was given. Y'all grasp this? Mental picture? Y'all got it? Move along. Go to verses 4 through 5, please, Nick. His tail swept away one-third of the stars in the sky, and he threw them to the earth. He stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. She gave birth to a son who was, a, who was to rule all nations with an iron rod, and her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God and to his throne. Here in verses 1 through 5, guys, this is placed in the past tense. Need you remember that. What we're talking about right now, 1 through 5, past tense, okay? The woman is Mary and the dragon is the devil. Obviously, it's pretty easy to figure out. In verse 4, guys, that one-third of the stars, that is one-third of the angels that rebelled with Satan against God and was thrown out of heaven. It's talked about in Ezekiel and in Daniel. Uh, verse 5, obviously verse 5 is she gave birth to the son. That's Jesus. We know that, right? Like I think we can, I think this one's pretty easy to, to grasp, right? Am I right? Christian head nods? Good deal. I mean, my Cass County education figured that one out real quick. But now here in verse 6, we're about to switch. Grasp this. We're no longer going to be past tense. It's fixing to be future tense. Literally in one verse, we're going from past tense to future tense. Let's look at uh, verses 6 through 9. And the woman fled into the wilderness where God had prepared a place to care for her for 1,260 days. Uh, then there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all of his angels. Okay, verse 6, now that woman is no longer Mary. That is the church. That's us. That's who that represents here. Uh, and in 7 through 9, Satan loses that battle, uh, and he and his angels were again they're thrown to the earth, guys. So one thing I do want to point out here that I thought was really cool, um, you know, it's talking about Satan as a dragon, right? This is just a nugget. This has nothing to do with Revelation, but I just want to throw it because it was cool, and I saw it, and I started studying on it, and I thought I found something neat, so I'm just going to share it with you all. So, so in Genesis, right, when, when, when the serpent comes up to Eve and talks her into eating the fruit, we all know the story, right? Okay. Everybody's going to know what I'm talking about here. When you see a picture of that, it's a snake. It's a snake. Guys, right after that, God says to to, the, to Satan, he says, because you did this, you will now slither on your belly for the rest of your life. Okay? Satan was a dragon in the garden. Y'all catch that? That's pretty cool. 
is that not neat? Like, I, I found that. Good job, Pastor. Good job, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Very humble about that. Thank you. <laughs> We're going to go to Revelation chapter 12. We're going to read verses 13 through 14. I'm so glad y'all give me encouragement. 13 through 14. When the dragon realized that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. Now, keep in mind, it's not Mary anymore. Okay? Mary ain't running around down here on earth. Okay? This is the church. He pursued the church. Y'all feel me? He pursued the church who had given birth to Jesus. But she was given two wings like those of a great eagle so she could fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness. There she would be cared for and protected from the dragon for a time, times, and half a time. That means ever, for, forever. Y'all get that? Like that's what that means? Uh, verse 13, again, the woman, it's the church. Uh, but I want you to catch in 14. God protects his children. Y'all see this? So again, I want to go back to, guys, I'm not going to sit here and ever try to talk you into pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib, okay? I truly believe everybody, okay, like your relationship with the Holy Spirit is, 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 that's between you and the Holy Spirit, right? Right? Okay, I think, you're, I think your relationship with the book of Revelation is also just yours, okay? But what I am going to say is regardless if we are pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-tribulation, he's going to protect us. Y'all feel me? You can walk out of here with that kind of peace. That you know good and well our Father in heaven is going to take care of the bride. He's going to take care of the church. He's going to always take care of that. I want to move on to chapter 13. Let's read verses 1 through 2. 1 through 2. 1 and 2. Then I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. It had seven heads and ten horns with ten crowns on its horns. And written on each head were names that blasphemed God. This beast looked like a leopard. But it had the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion. That's an ugly sucker. You know what I'm saying? And the dragon gave the beast his own power and throne and great authority. Okay. In the Old Testament, guys, Daniel also saw something very similar, a beast that was very similar in chapter 7. I'm not going to go into full detail at that, but I gave you that so you can go back and read it if you want to. I want to show you guys a picture of this beast. But real quick before I do, before I do, keep in mind it's a vision this is a vision of the beast. You're going to know where I'm going whenever I come back to all this. I promise I'm going somewhere with that. Okay, so pull that picture up for me, Nick. That's the closest one I get. That's, that's an ugly sucker. Ugly. Big old feet and lots of horns. Yeah, just nasty. Okay. In verse uh, 3 through 4, it talks about how one of the beast's heads was wounded, but he healed himself. And everyone marveled at the beast and worshipped the dragon. Real quick, guys, and I'm going to get into this in just a second. But the whole job of Satan, and, 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 and we're going to get into this. There's some others here in a minute. But their whole job is to mimic the real God. Okay? Jesus Christ dies and is raised from the dead. This dude got seven heads, got one injured, and heals himself. And he thinks he's a big deal. You see, he can't die and come back. See, that's what I'm getting at. He, he, he mimics Jesus. People don't catch that, though. I want y'all to catch this. What Jesus did was so much bigger 
then this dude got seven heads. He don't need seven. He needs one. You know what I'm saying? He hurt one. That's not that big a deal. But because he was able to, like, heal himself, all of a sudden, everybody marveled at the beast, and they worshiped the dragon, which is Satan. I want to look at Revelation, uh, let's look at verses 5 through 7. Yeah, we're still there. Then the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God. And he was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months. And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God, slandering his name and his dwelling. That is those who dwell in heaven. And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And he was given authority to rule over every tribe and people and language and nation. This beast from the sea, it's one we're talking about, just had the picture of it. Guys, that's the Antichrist. That's who that is. Not going to come out looking like that beast. That's why I'm saying, y'all, this is a vision, a vision that John had. And, there, and there's something symbolic about all of it. We're not going to go into full detail on that. I'm just going to tell you right now that the ugly dude that you saw on there is the Antichrist. That's who that is. And during the tribulation, he's coming to this earth. Okay. Throughout the Bible, the Antichrist is described as a man who will present himself as a leader and a savior of the world. Uh, he will use counterfeit displays of power, signs, wonders, and miracles to deceive the people and cause them to follow him. Now, I want to move ahead to verse 11. We're going to look at 11 and 12. Then I saw another beast, another one, come up out of the earth. Uh, he had two horns like those of a lamb, but he spoke with the voice of a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast, and he required all the earth and its people to worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. Ain't no fatal wound. Like I said, he got seven dang heads. He don't need seven of them. But, you know, they're going to call it a fatal wound because it just, again, they're trying to mimic Jesus, guys. I want to show you all a picture real quick of the second beast. Keep in mind, this is a vision. It's a vision. Second beast, please. Okay, you see this dude on the right? This is where we get the typical picture of, of, of the devil, right? The, the little horns that come out of the side. In fact, most of the pictures that I saw, it was a lot smaller than this. But this dude on the right, that, that's who this is, okay? That's this vision that John was given. You know, it's funny to me that our world has taken this and says that that's the devil, but the de they don't read the Bible. The devil's a dragon. This dude right here, that, that's, 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 that's not the devil, okay? Who this is... This is the false prophet, okay? It's the false prophet. Again, it's a vision of the false prophet. Again, a lot of symbolism goes into this to get to that answer. I'm not going to go over that. I'm just going to tell you all that's what it is. Um, I tell you, let's go ahead and go to verses 13 through 15. He did outstanding miracles, even making fire flash down to the earth from the sky while everyone was watching. And with all the miracles he was allowed to perform on the behalf of the first beast, he deceived all the people who belonged to this world. He ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast who was fatally wounded and then came back to life. He was then permitted to give life to the statue so that it could speak. Then the statue of the beast commanded that, every, that anyone refusing to worship must die. The false prophet, just like the Antichrist, will deceive all the earth by performing great miracles. 
He will then build, of course, this statue in honor of the Antichrist, and whoever does not worship it again will be killed. We need to keep that point in mind. Now I want you to see what has transformed here in chapter 13. These three beasts have combined to try and imitate the Holy Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's look at these three together. Pull up that picture for me, Nick. It's the evil trinity. Again, they can't be the holy trinity. They're mimicking, guys. That's what they're doing. You got Satan, you'd call the father. You, know, you, you go to the next one, you know, that's, that's the antichrist, you'd call that the son. And then you got the false prophet, which they would call the Holy Spirit. They're trying to mimic. What they're trying to do is they're trying to fool everybody in the world that, you know, we're a tougher, we're a, we're a, we're a better trinity than what the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is. You see, Satan's been trying to mimic God since the beginning. That's why he got thrown out of heaven. He wanted to be worshipped. That's what he wanted. It won't stop, guys, until God gets rid of him. We're going to get to that in a couple weeks. Again, here you have the dragon, which is Satan, the beast, Antichrist, and the second false prophet. Okay, Combined again, the evil trinity. Uh, where this evil trinity, excuse me, when this evil trinity comes together, they will deceive the people and take over the entire world during the tribulation. Keep that in mind. Uh, I do want to bring, again, we're going to all interpret Revelation different, right? Right? Amen. I'm going to tell you all what I think about the two beasts. I'm probably going to get some emails after this. I think that the Antichrist, he's, again, it's a vision. He's not going to come out with seven heads and all this funky stuff. I don't, I'm just going to be honest. I don't believe that. I believe that symbolism, there's a reason for that. Again, it adds up to the Antichrist. I believe that the Antichrist is going to be an individual in which scripture tells us this, that is going to be so persuasive, speaks eloquently, genius, smart guy, good looking. You know, that's going to be this dude, right? And he's going to talk the world into one world nation. He's going to be the leader of that. I believe that the false prophets, those guys, they're, they're, it's going to be multiple. I, I do believe that. I believe that's going to be the other leaders of other countries that are going to persuade the people left on earth to follow the Antichrist. So I believe that it's the government and the government's leaders. That's what I believe. And what's scary is some of that mess is kind of going on right now. Right? Like you can see, yeah, thank you. Not kind of. I mean, it is. It's going on right now. But I will say this, it's not completely this way because I believe we won't be here for that mess, okay? But I do see things in the works, and, and it starts to, it opens my eyes a little bit. Guys, that's why we're studying this book. Again, it's to gain knowledge. You need to see, it, listen, God's predicting the end times right here. I need you to understand that. So when these things start to happen, now again, it's like I told you last week, I'm not going to come up here two weeks ago, whenever it was. I'm not going to come up here and be like, it's going to happen tomorrow, guys. Y'all better be on the ball. No, I'm not going to say that. It, it may be another 100 years from now. Okay, It may be 200 years from now. I don't know. We don't know. 
But you need to have the knowledge to understand it and to see the signs. Amen? Everyone left on the earth will have to have... Oh, wait a minute. No, I'm not there yet. Ooh, hang on. Let's go to Revelation uh, 16 through 18. 13, 16 through 18. He required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. And no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Are y'all listening? Verse 18. Wisdom is needed here. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast. For it is not the number, or excuse me, for it is the number of a man. This number is 666. If you weren't listening, you are now because everybody knows that number. Everyone left on the earth, again, they'll have to have this mark of the beast to be able to live, to be able to buy, to be able to sell, to be able to do anything. They're going to have to have that. When I announced that we were going to do a series on Revelation, <laughs> the number one topic that everybody asked about for me was the mark of the beast. Now, Pastor, is it the vaccine? Are they going to put a chip in my arm? Is it my cell phone? That cell phone is the devil, though. I ain't going to lie to y'all. Yeah, unless you're watching Cowboys on it. Well, actually, sometimes that's the devil, too. Yeah, especially when they got beaten in the playoffs. Anyway, squirrel, let's get off of that. Yeah, so, so guys, here's what I need you to grasp. 666 is a symbol. It's a symbol. It's not a code to be cracked. Okay? It's not a code to be cracked. And if you believe this, I want to explain and break this complicated code down for you guys. Are y'all ready? Are you ready? Okay. Okay. Six is one less than number seven. You're welcome. <laughs> I just did the work for you. Right? It did, you know, right? Six is one less than seven. <laughs> you, you ain't going to go dig in your text. This is my gift to y'all today, okay? I'm going to explain this 666 number to y'all. There, there's, hang on, there's a seven, and right below that is a six. Y'all feel me? Yeah. Okay, so, but I, I, I am, I'm going to break this down a little bit. Okay, six, 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 guys, okay. What's number seven? Completion. So number six, incomplete. Incomplete. Six, 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 three. Sixes. Number three, perfection. The mark of the beast, perfectly incomplete. Y'all catch that? A few chapters back, we talked about how God was not going to release his wrath from the four angels in the corners of the earth. He sent an angel to tell him to stop until he could get his mark on his people. My opinion, not biblical whatsoever, Micahism, right? Everybody's going to interpret Revelation differently, correct? Yes. Correct? Yes. If 666 is the mark of the beast, which is perfectly incomplete, then I would think 777 is the mark of a true Christian. 
perfectly complete. Perfectly complete in Christ. I'm about to go somewhere. I know some people are going to disagree with me on this. But again, like I've said, through this, we're all going to interpret this differently. Wisdom is needed. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, number of man, 666. I believe that this mark already exists today. Now, it's not in the physical form. It's not stamped on your forehead or on your right arm. The right hand and the forehead, guys, I want you all to look at verse 16 real quick. He required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. I did a lot of studying on this. In Scripture, the forehead is symbolic of your decided destiny and identity. And the right hand represents the whole person, symbolizing the achievement of what is promised with the mouth. So I need you all to catch this. The forehead represents your commitment and the hand represents the outward working of the commitment. This is your thinker. This is your doer. Thinker. Doer. Y'all follow that? The mark that you bear today is not an outward mark. It's an inward mark. The mark you bear is shown by what you believe and in your actions of how you live it out. Y'all give me just a second. This may hurt some of you guys, but I need you to understand I love you. Sometimes a part of this job, I got to give you the truth. Some of you are living out the mark of the beast right now. You have it on you. It's not just a future branding, guys. It's amongst us today. That mark is not being serious about your faith. Holding hands with your sins. Not being committed to truly building the kingdom of God. That's the mark of the beast. And it's amongst us today. 
Again, it's not the branded one talked about here, but I have to go here because I don't want to see anybody in this church have that branded mark when that day comes. We need to get seriously committed about building the kingdom of God. And the way that you do it is you seriously, seriously, with all your heart, pursuit holiness. Holiness is hating sin. It's loving righteousness, right? That's holiness. I'm not talking about other people's sins either, guys. It's not hating other people's sins. It's hating your sin, too. Amen. It's easy to hate other people's sins. Amen. We've all got sins, temptations that we struggle with. But the reason you struggle with it is because you don't hate it enough. Amen. Amen. If you hated it enough, you'd throw it away. You know, when I, was, when I was growing up as a teenager, some of y'all know this. Some of y'all are going to look at your pastor different after this. Get a drink before I get started. I, I was a big fan of, 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 of uh, uh, rap music when I was a teenager. You know, Tupac, Biggie Smalls, all that kind of stuff. But, but one time, I remember this, and this is what made me think of this. When I was a senior in high school, who remembers the 504 boys? Center? <laughs> Bojo knows where I'm going then here. Man, you remember Ice Cube on that one, man? He was good. Ice Cube was good on it. Anyway, so 504 boys, they, they had this album come out. It was in 2000, and I think it was 2000. And, man, everybody got it. Everybody got it. My parents were like, don't you buy that. Mom, I'm sorry. They're like, don't you buy that. But I snuck out and I bought it. I bought it, and man, I jam it out all the time. It was my favorite CD, and any of y'all that know that CD, every other word is a cuss word. It's talking about all kinds of stuff in there, all kinds of stuff. Now, it hurts my heart, and if my kids ever pick it up, I'll hurt you, okay? <laughs> Be listening to 504. In fact, I don't know. I won't tell the rest of the story with y'all sitting in here. <laughs> Guys, here's what I'm getting at. I would pray constantly, even at that age. God, help me be a better person. Help my language, help my thoughts. But I wouldn't throw that CD away. I'd jam it out every time I got in my Jeep with my six by nines in the back. Don't hate. That's all I could afford. <laughs> and they were loud, too. You could hear me coming, okay? Y'all feel me here? You don't hate your sin enough unless you're throwing it away. Don't hang on to that sin. If you do, you're not serious. It's the mark of the beast. See, that's what he does to you. You're like, well, I'm 80% good Christian. That's still 666. It's not complete. Y'all feel me? This sin, so many of us have, again, we have this sin that we hang on to. Some of you have a secret inward sin. You've been hiding it for years. Again, I need you all to understand something right now. God put this on my heart yesterday. 
And just a minute ago, I prayed to make sure he gave me permission to talk about this. Some of you have an inward, hidden sin that you've had for years. You think you can hide it. Some of you want to take it to your grave. If that's you, I need you to understand you're not serious about pursuing holiness. If you're not serious about pursuing holiness, you're not 100% committed to the kingdom of God. Well, Michael, what do I do? You repent. That's a beautiful word, by the way. It's not an evil word. That's a beautiful word. You repent. And you bring your sin out of the dark and into the light. But Micah, it may destroy my life, my family, or my career. That's Satan talking. That's not a child of God that's speaking in that moment. That's, that's Satan. That's the mark of the beast. I went long. I know what it feels like to hang on to that sin. It hurts. It hurts. You're okay for a few days, maybe in a few months, maybe in a few years, but then something reminds you about it, and it hurts. Am I right? I know what it feels like. I ain't been a pastor forever. God wants people that are seriously committed. Not just 99%. He's looking for people that are warriors when it comes to this kind of stuff. And they don't face those sins with fear. Again, they face those sins with faith. That sin that you're hanging on to, you got to get it out. Or it will hold you in bondage. And that's what the number 666 does. It holds you in bondage. You can't buy, sell, or live your life without it in this book. Do you understand this? It's the same thing right now, guys. That sin will hold you in bondage. You cannot grow in your relationship with God unless you get it out. You got to get it out of the dark and let it in the light.